Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to January's Movies Podcast. Coming up in this edition, we look forward to some of the discs heading our way very soon. And joining me for the podcast this month, we got Jay, Mark, and Simon. Good evening, guys. Good evening, Phil. Hoi, hoi, Phil. Good evening, Philip. And uh, I guess we've got to kick off with the big news. Uh, since we were last on air, Star Wars has been announced for Blu-ray. It is coming to us in September, and Mark's going to tell us all about it. All right. Um, yep, fantastic news at CES. It was something that we all obviously expected, but it's it's always nice to hear it from the horse's mouth, or whatever you want to call George Lucas. It's going to be out on nine blu-rays for the complete saga but luckily enough they are splitting it so if you absolutely hated the prequels you can at least pick up the original trilogies or the prequels whichever set you choose um hopefully should be out september 27th pricing uk is about 45 quid for the for the individual sets but you can already see everyone's scrabbling around to pick up all the post-Christmas shoppers pre-orders, so you can already see them for at least a tenner less than that. And the big news is there's going to be approximately 30 hours of extras. So that's including commentaries, there are going to be documentaries, retrospectives, and uh, what they showed at CES was one of the deleted scenes, and it's particularly of interest because it shows that it was cut post-production, so it includes, uh, this particular one included, you know, the effects and the like, and the music, so... Hopefully, we might see more of that. We might see more of what was actually trimmed down from the originals. So it was original stuff that's got. I haven't seen this head, so I didn't. I've no. I didn't know that. I mean, I saw Phil's um, Darth Vader. Have you even been paying attention, sir? Nah. Well, it's you know. Yeah, it's big news, and we're all looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to it. No, it's a scene from Return of the Jedi where Luke's assembling uh, the new green lightsaber before he makes his way into Jabba's palace. And when he uh, hides it in R2-D2. Post-production. So we're not just seeing kind of lousy little shots like you often get stuck on the end of various Blu-rays and DVDs and the like where it's it's clearly just early footage and poor. You know, we, we're actually seeing final footage that was just trimmed, you know, for the sake of the story and for the sake of pacing and the like. So, it you know, wow. that that's pretty big news. They'll all be short little crappy clips that no one's interested in. CP3 or walking through a door or something like that. Ooh. <laughs> it's quite that, amazing but, but... that, um, that Lucas does that. You know, you thought he doesn't cut anything. He puts everything in and he keeps changing everything. So to, to, to have a, a deleted scene such as that removed at the last hour, that's, that is actually quite interesting. Yeah, but if you listen to Mark Hamill, he knew nothing about that scene. <laughs> he said but... that, that, that was never shot. No way! <laughs> yeah, it's on one of the... Uh, oh, it was on some blog I read a while back and they'd asked him about it and he said, no, no, I don't remember any of that. It's not me. <laughs> Fake so with a double. So he's stuff with his hands, somebody else's hands. 
maybe maybe it's a mark maybe it's a market employee it'd be george lucas wearing mark hamill's skirt and whatnot well, it does make his entrance that much more kind of iconic in the third yeah. film and so that's obviously probably why it was taken out but you know you, you can scoff at even if they're little you know 10 15 second shots or the like it's the kind of thing that will get written about in the blogosphere and and the like thousands you know of words can be written about such a a, a tiny scene because it you know they are much loved films i'm hoping now we get to see some of the extras that were made at the time that the films were were produced the original trilogy because it'd be interesting to see what's said in interviews then compared to what lucas claims these days and uh, i was speaking to uh, steve weathers who's our hardware reviewer a big star wars and that he's been buying um some of these making of books that have been released recently i think the latest one is empire strikes back uh, which are written um away from lucasfilm but covering stuff that actually happened at the time uh, and he says when you read that you realize that that george lucas is full of uh, uh full of himself when it comes to the fact that he'd written all these six films way back in the 70s it's absolute nonsense well the claim is is that he he knew the outline and everything and and that it, it was basically already written and that he's just put them into production now but it there there's a heavy scent that he's basically re-editing history there that he may have had, really he may have had a couple of ideas written on the back of a fag packet well, somewhere but well, well, there's he... so much that that doesn't really make sense and in, in fact even if you go back to some of like the the star wars kind of comics and books and the like for, that were released around the same time as well as old magazine articles and the like it, it's pretty clear that so much from the well what are now the the parts one two and three has just been thought up on the spot in 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 modern times that's true because there's no way george lucas thought about jar jar binks for 20 years and then still put him in the movie <laughs> <laughs> there's something wrong with him yeah. Uh, it's all part of the lore, though, you know what I mean? When movies become that famous, you kind of stories well, well, tend to crop up. The disappointing thing as well for fans is that we're not going to get the original versions on Blu-ray. Um, these are the, the tinkered. And are they going to be tinkered even more? There are rumours out there uh, in in some of the fan groups that, you know, he's gone back and tinkered even more to try and stream streamline all six so they'll, they'll run sure, better that, together. Sure. Sure, that's not a bad thing. That just improves the movie, you know? I agree with that. I'm all for that. Tinker <laughs> oh, away. No, give me the originals any day. <laughs> Absolutely. Really? Without, without the special effects and all the shadows all mucked up? Nah. No, no, no. No, it's, you know, that's what I grew up on. That's what I want to see. I'm I'm not interested in the new CGI or the new scene with Han Solo and Jabba the Hutt. And I'm not interested in that. I want to see the films as I remember them, as I, as I grew up. Um, and all the tinkering and all the rest of it. Yeah, by all means, clean up the print, um, make it the best possible presentation that you can, um, but going in and changing scenes and adding new CGI characters and, and all the rest of it, no, leave it alone, please. Or supply the uh, original with it. Yes. Because they've only done it once, haven't they? They, they re-released it. Yeah, uh, and it was on the, DVD. It was uh, as, an an, as a non-anamorphic print, and it was rubbish. Yeah, it was a, it was yeah. a laser disc printer that used for that. Yeah. Well, I was looking forward to getting this box set, but after that atrocious actor who played Dark Bloody Vader, he put me right off. He's about five foot tall. <laughs> it, was, it was an absolute joke and what, what, to choke your man. The CES thing. Yeah, yeah the CES I mean, thing. I, I, mean, I, I, I was taller thinking? than the guy. 
<laughs> I know, yeah. It's absolutely bloody ridiculous. He looked like the character from Spaceballs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> big massive helmet on him coming in. <laughs> yeah, like, I've, he I've got to say it was... platform shoes at least. I mean, like, come on. And then at the end, the perfect opportunity to do a finale, like whip out a lightsaber, take off your man's head or something like that. Nothing happened. He shook his hand and walked <laughs> off. A waste of time. Yeah, I've got to say it, it was... Cringe worthy. Um, I, I, uh, I would have burst out laughing if I was there. Uh, believe me, the the crowd behind me were laughing. Uh, <laughs> you just couldn't pick it up on the sound mix. That's all. Uh, and so, by the way, Mark, that wasn't shown at CES. That uh, deleted scene was it not? No, wasn't shown at the press conference. Check your facts, Mark. Well, I I do apologise, Phil. So come here. So that... what? Uh, so so what sound format are we going to be getting here? Are we going to get seven point one THX mastered? Maybe no. Is there any news about that? Pretty, pretty much every, everything is up in the air right now. It's it's a case of announce it, tell everyone how much they're going to be paying and wait for the pre-orders to come in. It, it, it's one of those things where you just wonder how much tinkering will be going on in the background right up, right up until the final moments. I'm just very much hoping and praying that, that there isn't too much... Uh, done to the originals you know there, there's not any monkeying about with color timing and the like you know just there was talk that certain lightsabers you know would would be bigger the red need to be redder <laughs> you know there's all this kind of rumors and, and little whispers going around I but heard, nobody, I... nobody really actually knows anything let's let's face it they've just they've announced it they've told us how much we're going to pay and said that we're going to be getting a lot of extras with it ultimately that's where we are to be fair I... um we got told about it last last year at CES. Well, it was after CES. We went up to visit THX. Uh, the hints were dropped then that they were actually working on them back then. So it sounds like a lot of work has gone into this release. I've no, I've absolutely no doubt that it'll look absolutely fantastic. It, it's it's sure to do. I mean, it's when you're talking about a man from you know ILM and the like, you, you, it's got to look pretty stunning. But it, yeah, it's yeah, just but a question. Then, then go back to the DVD release and the soundtrack, uh, the surrounds were mixed around the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Uh, the surround channels were mixed around the wrong way. So, no way. Yeah. <laughs> the blast okay. of fire from left to right went right to left. And, yeah. I'm still going to be buying it, though. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Not, I'm yeah, not, every, I'm everyone else, you, everyone who's bitching about uh, burrito shooting first, and I've done enough of it, and, you know, all the extra little scenes and as... Phil said, hand meeting jabber and the like. You can complain all you like, but ultimately, if it looks stunning and it, it you know, if it's got a superb lossless soundtrack on it, everyone's going to be picking it up, surely, just to be able to see it. I mean, I, look how many people even picked up things like Predator just to be able to say how bad it was, you know? People That's want true. to be able to see it. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not too sure I'll be picking this up. It's not a film that I look back at fondly. I missed it. I'm too young, you see. So I kind of caught it when I was about twenty, and I kind of went, uh, "What's that about? It's really badly written. It's got awful dialogue." So you don't buy anything, though. <laughs> Let's face a few. I do. I do. I do. What are you accusing me of? Piracy? <laughs> I'll have you in court, young man. That's slander on the news as well, on the radio. So, but it's not a good film. I watched The Ting on Wednesday. Fantastic. You watched what? The Ting. <laughs> John Carpenter's The Ting. Ting, the Ting, Ting. <laughs> That's slander as well, Phil. Uh, amazing, amazingly good. You can rewatch that. See Star Wars. Uh, it's not the same. 
I disagree. I remember the really, the really, the really awesome bit. My sister was watching it for the first time, and she was sitting and she was getting really into it. And I was kind of thinking that the special effects were a bit outdated and that she might be put off. No, fall into the whole thing. But then the bit with the computer came on when he's running the analysis, and it's like, what's the probability? How many hours will it take for the entire human human population? Do 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 do. Twenty six thousand hours, seventy five percent, and he goes. What are the what are the chances of um two people in the camp having been infected? Do, 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 do. And my sister goes, that computer does suspense. That's ridiculous. Kept your man waiting with dot dot dot. Ridiculous. How did we get onto the thing? I don't know. I wasn't <laughs> a bit of a ramble there. Sorry. Isn't like one of the first Blu-rays out. Look very good. Look very good. I have to say that this amazing is job. <laughs> Uh, I was comparing I saw the, the thing the other day on TV. <laughs> That's news. That is news. That's my news to, new, to you. I haven't told you that yet. There you go. <laughs> news from me to you. Anyway, Star Wars, yeah, I'll be giving it a miss. See, I thought that the original Star Wars film is a terrific story. Very, very well told. No, brilliant, brilliant adventure film. It, mm. It's absolutely fantastic fun. And, and certainly, I think, for a particular generation, if, if you saw that at the time... I mean, that must have been absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, you're, that's you know, true. It was. teen of a particular age, and you're stepping into the cinema and just, you know, you're assaulted with this great, almost like a, uh adventure story from World War Two that's just, you know, set in space. It's just fantastic, and the music rollicking, and good fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, it, for when, those, but for when, those who came afterwards, one of the problems is, is that Certainly, so much has been written about them, and so much has been written about Lucas's claims and about the films and and the story. And there's almost been a too much. You know, you've got you can't really get away from them. There's, there's so well, people obsess over them. Sure, didn't the crowd make a whole movie about what happened at, at but, the end of the but first Jerry, you have to look at it in in the context that that it came out. I mean, it came out in the seventies where cinema was. Uh, basically dying on its arse. To be oh honest. no, no, no! Yeah, no, but sure. And, and it at... reinvigorated the whole industry. And, oh no, I, I and agree, got... I agree, I agree. But sure, time Clash of the Titans. If you even compare the effects of of Clash of the Titans, and which Star came Wars, out after Star Wars. Yes, Star Wars blew it away. I'm not disputing that it's a, a cinematic land piece, landmark. What the hell is a land piece, landmark? <laughs> um. <laughs> But it just, I missed it when it came out first, so I don't think it had the same impact on me because I saw it so late on in my life and well, there was so well, it's, much it's better kind, stuff out there. It's kind of like everything else that pushes the boundaries. I mean, The Matrix was a standout film in 99, oh, yet, yeah. yet everybody then copied the same style. So if you then came into cinema in 2004 and you look back at The Matrix, you think, well, so what? But the thing is, you have to see it in the context that, that it came out and, and Star Wars was, was the film that really sort of pushed the industry on and, and there were so many um, films that then copied what George Lucas had done and not to mention Star Trek came back oh, yeah. because mm-hmm. Star Wars was because. such a, a yeah. huge film. Otherwise, we'd never have seen the, the, the Star Trek films. Uh, there was loads of others like, um, well, I mean, Disney did it with, with Tron and then they did it with uh, The Last Starfighter and then there was all sorts of other stuff. Ba- Battlestar Galactica came uh, on see, I don't, I don't, I don't really like any of those movies. Maybe that's what the problem is—that whole genre. But you see that if you then came in later 
then it's not going to have as big an impact on you, is it? That's then? exactly what I said about five minutes ago, Phil. I'm sorry, it, it must, it must be your accent. <laughs> I can't understand the word you say most of the time, Justin. I told you, when are you going to get the subtitled machine from me? <laughs> sort it out. You're the boss. Yeah, it's broke. Can't we sort him out one of those Stephen Hawking machines or something? <laughs> <laughs> and make it more I entertaining. Like movies. <laughs> Would you like to play a game? <laughs> okay, so uh, so let's move on to some other news out there. And uh, I guess we're all big animation fans on the podcast here. And it's nice to see that The Incredibles are finally coming to Blu-ray, Simon. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I don't know if any of you guys caught it over on uh, BBC HD over Christmas period. It uh, played a couple of times. Stunning, stunning looking. Yeah, stunning and, looking, and of course, yeah. on, uh, on Blu-ray, it's going to be even better. I still maintain that. Um, I mean, I know Phil, you like Toy Story as 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 uh, Pixar's top film. I still prefer The Incredibles for its story. It's it's taken the title of the film. It is an incredible story. Um, oh, corny. Oh, of course. But you know, what else can you say? I mean, you use words like magnificent and superb and fantastic, but it all boils yeah, exactly. down to the same thing. You know, it, it is a, it's a brilliant, brilliant film. All about the story. Yeah, it, it's going to be fantastic. And we've been waiting for years for this one. Yeah, and I have no idea why. Any idea why we've been waiting for so long for this one? Was it out in HD DVD? I'm, yeah, I'm surprised that this is so late as well. Yeah, it, was it? It, it does seem uh, to have come along rather late to the party. I mean, we've had Cars, we've had uh, all the Toy Story films. We've mm. had, have we had a Bug's Life yet? Yeah, I yeah. yeah. We have, yeah, so it's out as well. So it's, yeah, it just seems to have taken its time. It's the last one, isn't it? Yeah. And did anybody catch the documentary that was on over Christmas about Pixar on on the BBC, uh, going back over the the years from Toy Story up till now? Uh, not no, right, not. It's, it's that one. It's their um. It's, there, there is one very similar to that on one of the um, Blu-ray releases, isn't there? Might be Toy Story Two. I can't remember, but there's there, there's one that documents the, the history from their very very beginnings through through working with Apple and, and all the way through right up until um, oh uh, beyond Finding Nemo, I think. So it, it's it was still a little bit older. So so this one's an updated version of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically it was an updated version of that. It was on okay. um, it was on over Christmas. Absolutely, <clears throat> you know, mind blowing. Yeah. When you think, I mean, we've just been talking about Star Wars. That's where Pixar was born. Pixar was born in George Lucas. Uh, he started it all. Oh, and yes. it, no, nobody had the finance to take it to the next level. And uh, uh, I think it was Disney eventually stood in and said, right, okay, we'll, we'll fund this, see where we can go. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, it was um, John, John Lasseter, wasn't it? His, uh, his main pioneering skills, using <laughs> the um, hand animation yeah. drawing ideas, but translating it to the computer so all those those lighting effects that you see with the very very early ones you know the 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 bouncing light tin toy i think that was a very very early one and they just grew and grew and grew and now it's uh they've got 100 percent successful isn't it? they haven't made a film that's um yep. that's failed yet yeah to... that's amazing amazing mm. success for it yet to drop the ball quite funny as well because lasseter was actually sacked from disney um mm-hmm. then went started pixar and ended up back at disney back at disney yeah <laughs> <clears throat> uh, the way the industry works. So that's Incredibles. It's coming out twelfth uh, of April. No UK date yet, but I've uh, I've no doubt it'll be around about the same time. And uh, moving on to uh, one that I know that Jer absolutely hates, but it did really well at cinema. It was made for uh, absolute pittance uh, on two HD cameras, and that's Monsters. So tell us all about it, Jer. Yeah, Monsters came out this year. Incredibly low budget movie. Um, plot follows. Uh, 
NASA as they discovered possibility of alien life um, sent out a probe, usual stuff crashed upon re-entry uh, and then over North America events started happening uh, half of Mexico was quarantined and we have an alien invasion, another one um, the movie basically nothing really happens for 94 minutes as far as I'm concerned it's a relationship movie with lots of nice scenery there's political subtones of, you know, who really are the monsters, though it's the human race. And I didn't really get a whole lot out of it, to be honest with you. And I don't really see the appeal. The cast were good. Whitney Abel, who played um, the main female lead, was very convincing, you know, considering the fact that they shot this on a shoestring budget, the two eight and a half gram or two and a half grand commercial off the off the shelf cameras is all they had. Special effects were all done in-house by the director, Garrett Edwards, who did the visual effects for Seven Wonders of the Industrial World and other things like Shadow of the Moon. Crew, two people, and they basically did everything themselves. And for that, they have to be applauded. But to be honest with you, it's a cross between the road and Cloverfield, but all you really see is two giant jellyfish aliens humping. (laughs) But they do glow in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say. It. I know Kaz did, and he raved about it, and so did yeah, a lot but... of other people. So it's 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 interesting to hear a country view from you there, because um, just about everyone I, I spoke cynical. to who's seen it said it was um, a terrific film. You know, I mean, don't know if not they're, they're taking on board the, the 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 fact that it was so low budget and the effects were done on the laptop, and there was only two cameras, and there were no actors apart from the two leads. Everyone else was just found on on uh, on location. Um, they yeah. stuck a camera in front of them and said, you know, just sort of read around these lines. And that's, I mean, like, and that's, and that's the film. I mean, like the, premise, the premise is excellent. It, it reminds me of another movie I saw recently. We, we spoke about it about the previous podcast, Skyline. Mm-hmm. Awful. Really, really awful. That's all I need to say about that. <laughs> this, not as awful, but soulless and hollow. It, 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 the, the script is just pants and like your man Garrett Edwards didn't do really a whole lot of eventing else it's more or less his first film and that shows I mean like yeah like I said credit where credit's due for doing what they did with the materials and money that they had but it's, it doesn't compare to others out there like Cloverfield is a lot better I'm sure he's quite happy sitting at home looking at his bank statement these days though yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah but is he happy I'm gonna pick this up on disc it comes out uh, February the 1st in the US no UK date yet but it should be uh, not too far behind uh, any of you other guys gonna pick this up oh I think so yeah it's 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 intriguing I think it's it's interesting how how basically the first line of criticism is that the effects don't look that great. The effects are the effects are seamless. They're unbelievably good, really good effects, just to completely contradict everything that you read. Well, I, I just <laughs> no, Bitch. I just I I it's the kind of film that I I I'm just really pleased to see being made. You know, it's it's low budget. It's coming purely from an ideas perspective, and it there's there's not always going to be that amount of gloss on it. And I think, you know, even to lump it in with Cloverfield is, is you know, kind of blasphemy. I hated Cloverfield with a with an intense passion. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, you might hate this. What do you mean it's blasphemy? You don't know yet. I could be right. I generally am about everything. Not likely, though, is it, Jer? No, even if you hate it, you'll probably tell me you like it just to spite me. Yeah, right. That's it. Okay, so uh, moving on to our podcast feminist, uh, Simon is going to tell us all about Thelma and Louise. 
the what? Crap one. Feminist? What are you talking about? <laughs> you go, girlfriend. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, all right. I'll be a feminist if that's what you want me to be. Theron Louise, the 20th anniversary edition, coming out on February the 8th in the US. Again, there's no uh, UK date yet, but I'm sure there will be in a minute. Um, in a minute. In a minute. In a few. Uh, yeah, just sorry, my my, uh, my little boy's just poking his head around the corner, waving at me. Come <laughs> <laughs> on. No, Who's no. all them weirdos you're talking to on the internet? I warned you about that, Dad. I warned you. <laughs> right. So where are we? Um, uh, We're in Tam and Louise. You're Tam a and Louise. Twentieth anniversary edition. Yeah. Um, um, this was Ridley Scott's. Um, Road movie, wasn't it? Yes, essentially a road movie with um, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, who um, uh, Susan Sarandon shoots um, a potential rapist in the uh, car park. And um, this being, it was early 90s, wasn't it? 90, 1991, maybe? There, there was still that um, terrible stigmata that um, people, if women suffered an attack like this, that the, the authorities wouldn't believe it or they would have to go through such a traumatic process to get it through the court that a lot of women never come forward um, reporting these crimes. So after they um, murdered this guy, instead of putting forward a self-defense, they went on the run and it becomes a, a terrific road movie. And these two, um, these two women who are sort of very, very housebound, very small and timid, particularly Gina Davis's character, and they meet up with Brad Pitt on the road and uh, they just blaze a trail of glory. That's it. Thank you, Joe. Um, out in the, in the um, trying to get to Mexico. Um, and they're pursued by Harvey Cotel, and then there's, there's sort of semi-comedy aspects there. And they're right at the very end, they blow up that truck. It's, it's a fabulous film, really. Um, I don't, I can't see that it's a, a feminist film in, in any way. It's just a terrific, exciting um, adventure film, um, road movie with these two girls, and you, they, you watch them change character from these little timid things to these uh, almost, almost butch, um, world-wise characters. Fabulous! I really, really enjoyed it. Film. They unleashed her inner lesbian. Of course, they were the oh, They picked up the Brad Pitt and they done him in the in the thing. No, they what? They picked him up and then and done him in the, uh, <laughs> the hotel, didn't they? Davis, that she had only been with her husband, and then he comes along with his big hat and his, you know, and his fingers, and yeah, no, it's a great. <laughs> film. <laughs> It's not overrated. <laughs> it's quite disturbing the things that you actually remember about this. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. I remember the fabulous DVD release. It was a very, very early DVD release, and it was a two-disc one. It was brilliant. It was, you know, really, really well um, good-looking. had loads of extras, and it looks like they've um, done very, very similar here. They've got, It's got a, a DTS HD Master um, soundtrack. It's got the uh, commentary Ridley Scott that he done. Um, the there's uh, cast Susan Sarandon, Gina Davis doing a commentary, deleted and extended scenes, um, extended ending. I don't remember extended ending before. They they drove for extra long. They, <laughs> they, they, they make the it to the other side. Wing, did it? <laughs> they did a couple of donuts. They land on the rubbish. Do they like in the Simpsons? <laughs> <laughs> and you've got um, documentaries, features, um, storyboards, uh, music videos, trailers, and TV spots. It sounds like there's a load of stuff there, and quite rightly so. It was. Um, it was a. It's a terrific film, and um, and I and I, I'd love to see it again. Um, I lost the DVD um, certainly a year ago, um, so I'm looking forward to seeing this again. And how did you lose that DVD? 
well, you know. He lent it to his friend, Frederico. <laughs> <laughs> Brad popped around with us and he said, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> he went away a very happy man. Okay, moving on. And uh, Mark's going to tell us about Don't Look Now. Ah, yes. <laughs> He goes, ah, yes, as if that whole five minutes where he couldn't make up his mind didn't even happen. Yeah, you're going to look a fool now because Phil's going to edit all that out. In the no, Phil, Phil's going to leave. Phil's going to leave. It no, out. he's going to edit it all out, and it will just look. Nice. You're a little bit simple. <laughs> anyway, a little bit simple after the last podcast. Couldn't even speak. We'll get subtitles soon. Right, don't look now. Yes, indeed. Nick Rogue's third film after Performance and Walkabout. It's a fantastic story of uh, mourning of um, a couple who lose a child. And it's uh, based on a short story by Daphne du Maurier. And it's, it's very much um, a, a tale of when superstition meets cynicism. You've got a, a couple, um, the Baxters, John played by Donald Sutherland and his wife Laura played by Julie Christie, lose a child in a in a freak accident a child drowns um and basically they're they're trying to escape this memory and it, it it the story slowly morphs from being a simple case of um mourning to there being dark ominous undertones and and questions about the afterlife and and uh, the husband's basic inability to to come to terms with the idea of of the supernatural that there might be something further out there and it, it very much moves almost into uh, a cat and mouse, almost slightly conspiratorial type film in that you, you're not fully sure whether someone's losing their mind, whether they're, they're chasing an idea that they're, they're not fully sure about or whether there is something tangible there that they just can't explain. And it, it ends with, has to be one of the all-time great film climaxes i mean it, it's got to be up there with with psycho for sheer shock value you know it, whatever you assume there to be at the very ending of the film it, you're fairly sure that it's not what actually ends up confronting you and it, it it's a case where the the character in that particular situation is just as shocked as you are and it, it's very much a, a contemplative film about bereavement and and loss but it also manages to use a city in Venice as as almost an entirely separate character. This this maze of little canals and walkways and the like, set amidst uh, uh, stories of murders in the city at the same time and a small hooded figure wandering about, and it 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 really creates this labyrinthine sense of um, bewilderment that slowly entrances the central character of John Baxter, but also draws. Uh, the viewer in into this web as well, and it, it it's very much very much recommended. Uh, should be out seventh of March this year. Uh, no USA date yet, and um, we don't really know much about the disc other than it's coming from Optimum Home Entertainment, and should be about twenty pound mark RRP. So hopefully, should be a bit less. Okay, so moving from nineteen seventy three to nineteen eighty six, and Jazz going to talk about Stand by Me. Yep, Stand by Me. Classic from Rob Reiner, possibly. Well, I was going to say the best movie in his collection, but that has to go with the Spinal Tap. Gave us Princess Bride, Few Good Men, but before it all, all those came along, Stand By Me came out. 
set in Oregon, uh, group of it's set around a small town, uh, group of boys hanging out. A body turns up, someone gets murdered, and they all go off on an amazing adventure to find this body. They run into the local gang of hoods who've got knives and whatnot and threaten them. They get into all sorts of altercations across the great American countryside. And it's basically a road movie on foot. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's got comedy. The, it's, it's a story about friendship, courage. It's just really well done. Amazing acting. you got River Phoenix in there, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, Kiefer Sutherland. All very, very old, but all showing already that they've got something special. And again, it's one of those moments where everything basically comes together. Got the amazing script based in the book by uh, Stephen King. Amazing team of actors, great director, and what a movie. It's coming out on March 22nd uh, in the US. We got no UK date. Yeah, to be about 25 bucks. Uh, we got 5.1 DTS HD Master Audio soundtrack. We got audio commentaries, music videos, and lots of featurettes. Um, so, yeah, and we got exclusive HD 25 years later, which is a picture in picture commentary, retrospective look back at the movie with Corey Feldman, Will Wheaton, and Rob Reiner. So, that will be worth picking up, unlike Star Wars. <laughs> And to finish off this month's podcast, uh, we're going over to Jay, and he's going to talk about Let Me In. Yes, Phil, <laughs> this is Let Me what, Let Me In. <laughs> <laughs> let Me In. <laughs> oh, God. Good one, good one. Yes, Phil, I'm talking about Lemmy, metal icon from the band Motorhead, born 1945. 66 years old, still rocking. Released a new album this year, and Greg Oliver and Wes Orshoskis spent the last five years filming Lemmy and learning all about his stories. He wrote it for Jimi Hendrix, scored acid for Jimi Hendrix, was in a band called the Rockin' Vickers, where they used um, to lock the doors at the gigs, spike all the foods with acids, and then put on what's called the ring modulator, that makes such a deep noise, the brown noise that makes your bowels release. He then went on to play in the space hippie band Hawkwind. Actually, that, he... that, that was proven on Mythbusters to be absolute rubbish. There is no such thing. Yeah, what? Yeah, Mythbusters. Mythbusters is rubbish. But did they combine Myth... it with acid, though? And it wasn't done by Myth, Myth, Mythbusters. I was going to say Mythburgers. Mythbusters. It was done by. Uh, it was just Mythbusters that did it. They, they set up a whole uh, PA system, concert PA system, put it all the way down to 12 hertz, and it did nine. Well, anyway, Lemmy says it happened, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> so this is, a, this, this, is, this is a man, this is an icon. Motorhead, basically, it's a flip of the coin between them and Black Sabbath to see who invented metal. So... I've seen this movie. Very, very interesting. If you're a fan of the movie, if you're a fan of, of, of metal music or indeed music in general, this is something that's worth watching. You've got Metallica in there, Dave Grohl, Ozzy Osbourne, Alice Cooper, Joan Jeff, Billy Bob Thornton, Slash, Guns N' Roses. More and more and more people show up and speak about the icon that is Lemmy. They say if they drop a nuclear bomb in the earth, Lemmy and cockroaches is all that would be remaining. So yeah, I, I coming out in Blu-ray. It looked good, uh, and I recommend you pick this one up. What's it about? <laughs> <laughs> What's it about? 
It's it's so it's about, so about an hour and a half. The follow, <laughs> follow, follow Lemmy round. He lives in LA, goes to the Rainbow Bar and Grill, follow him on tour, going to all these kind of functions and stuff. And he just tells the story of his life. I've seen the guy interviewed an awful lot because he does a lot of these um, he's very intelligent. programs. He's, he's a quite an articulate guy. Oh, and he yeah. knows his stuff. And he uh, he's obviously been there and seen a lot and done a lot. Um, but I'm not oh, sure uh, you could make a film out of him. Oh, yeah, he's fascinating. I read his autobiography, White Line Fever. Just the stories he has over the last 45 years in the music business is amazing. Amazing. But the Blu-ray will, the Blu-ray will sell to fans. I mean, if it's, if it's good enough sound-wise, surely, you know. that'll. Oh, be yeah, I, uh, it's pre-ordered out off the shelves. It's going out like hotcakes. You have four hours of additional footage. There's a rare performance of Lemmy with Metallica on Lemmy's 50th birthday, and they're all wearing wigs that are the same as Lemmy's hair and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of rare stuff in there, you know. <laughs> for, fans, for fans like myself, yeah, this is, this is a no-brainer. Okay. What about you, Phil? Did I pluck your interest? Well, the only sort of rock documentary, real rock documentary, I'm not talking about like Spinal Tap, but uh, the only thing I've ever watched was the the thing about Metallica. Oh, um, some kind of monster. That's some ex- kind of monster, and and that was superb. Uh, that you know, I actually got to know about the band and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, the trials and tribulations, all that fame, and uh, there's my mobile. Give me a sec. It's Lemmy. What about um, Anvil? The story, oh, of, the Anvil. story of Anvil is absolutely Have you seen incredible. that? Rob Reiner, yeah. Brilliant, isn't it? That is, that is heartbreaking. unbelievable. Oh, heartbreaking. You just go, I'm just like, oh my God, how are they still going on? So emotional as well, like yeah, that. yeah. But the, you know, the, there's elements in there that could be Spinal Tap. Oh, you, you have you in seen there? That gig seen they play the at the wedding. Yeah, my God, Have you seen that some kind of monster? The, the, the Metallica documentary. Of... Watch no. that. That is exactly like Spinal Tap. Unbel- like I'm a fan, and I was just cringing. I was going, oh, guys, you're really putting me off. You, you as a group right now with your technology, like, you know what I mean? But then you go, well, I was kind of brave for them to show it, like, you know? Uh, there's another one um, behind the music, Megadeth as well, fascinating. Dave Mustaine is another wild man. Worth, worth checking out. Nice, nice stories. Near-death experiences and all that stuff. The thing about Some Kind of Monster, though, is um, that the band didn't have any say in what was shown, they basically signed everything over. Which they, was... did, they did, they were furious. Dave Mustaine, who was on there having a conversation about why he was booted out of Metallica in 83, and he got emotional, and there was a war that they left that scene in, but he couldn't do anything about it, like, you know? Yeah, because they'd signed everything over, that, that mm-hmm. everything was going to be included in it. And to be honest, you either uh, admired the guys, or you, if you were a fan, you, you then started questioning who these people actually were. Oh, you know, when they got into performance coaching, you're just going, oh, guys, don't be at it. You're in a metal band, not a gay school. I've had a girl's school. Girl's school. Girl's school are a band, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Girl's yeah. girl school. Very, very nice, Simon, because girl's school are actually friends with Lemmy from Motorhead. I'm and sure Motor- they are, yeah. They used Motorhead. to support them years ago. I saw them at Hammersmith Odeon. 
when, cool. when there was a I'd love to go there. I've seen Motorhead three or four times in Dublin, but I'd love to go and see him at Hammersmith. That'd be awesome. Okay, so uh, we're going to wrap up on talking about the 60s when Simon was a, uh, a youngster. Out and out yeah, there and a hit. bit. He was, he was 22 in the 60s, I heard. Oh, right. <laughs> I read on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I am going bald. Terrible. <laughs> and on that bombshell, <laughs> that big bombshell, we're going to end the podcast for this month. Uh, this has been the News Roundup. Thanks to Jay, Simon and Mark. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Phil. Cheers, Phil. Thanks, Phil. And uh, we'll be back again in about two or three weeks with the Reviews podcast. And uh, hopefully Chris uh, will be able to clear his diary and be able to come along and speak to us. Although you probably didn't miss him because we were all so great. We were. We were awesome tonight. So come back and rock it out with us next month. Until then, goodbye. Bye. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.